What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. It's Thursday, August 25th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Big news for those with student loan debt. President Biden announced that he will forgive $10,000 in federal student debt and $20,000 for those with Pell Grants. This new action will affect millions and see almost 9 million people get their balances wiped completely. There are earnings caps and the payment pause on most federal loans has been extended through December 31st. Annie Nova, personal finance reporter at CNBC, joins us for what to know about the debt relief and the pressure from both sides of the aisle. Some still don't think it was enough and others think it could set a bad precedent and increase inflation. Next, Google has an automated tool to detect abusive images of children and that is a big help in combating the online spread of these types of photos. But sometimes, the system can get it wrong, and the consequences can be serious. Recently, a father took a picture of his naked son and sent it to the doctor for a diagnosis. But as the photo passed through Google servers, it was flagged, and it all went downhill. The father became the target of a police investigation and lost access to his account along with the decade's worth of contacts, emails, and photos. Kashmir Hill, technology reporter at the New York Times, joins us for what to know about this case. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. The burden is so heavy that even if you graduate, you may not have access to the middle-class life that the college degree once provided. Many people, many people can't qualify for a mortgage to buy a home because of the debt they continue to carry. Joining us now is Annie Nova, personal finance reporter at CNBC. Thanks for joining us, Annie. Thanks for having me. Well, this is a decision that a lot of people were waiting for. President Biden announced that he's going to be forgiving $10,000 in federal student debt for most borrowers. If you receive Pell Grants, that could be up to $20,000. And then he's also extending the uh, moratorium on making payments that was set to expire at the end of August. Uh, you have all the way to the end of the year now for this. You know, some estimates say that at least 9 million borrowers could have their balances entirely cleared by this new plan. So I know a lot of people are happy about that, but there's people on both sides of this. There's a lot of critics to this as well. So Annie, tell us a little bit more about the specifics of what this plan is going to be doing. There had been a lot of anticipation about what the president was going to do. 
you know, there was very little information that kind of leaked before this and just a lot of curiosity and anticipation and excitement about, you know, this kind of unprecedented action of forgiving student debt. There's really no precedent for the federal government forgiving hundreds of billions of dollars of, of consumer debt. So this is a really big deal. And uh, although the president had been under pressure to forgive $50,000 or more per borrower, he was also listening to aides who expressed concerns about inflation and how student loan forgiveness could impact that. There was also criticism from Republicans and, and just other Americans who had you know, paid off their loans yeah. or never borrowed to went to college never borrowed at college or never went to college. So he was thinking about all of these things when he came out with his decision. And, and that seems to have led him to come out and, and to do the 10000 or the $20,000, which, again, wasn't as much as he was under pressure to do, but still was, is going to have a huge impact. I mean, it's one of those things nobody is going to be happy with this one way or the other. People are always mm-hmm. going to want more or not to do it at right. all. Uh, as you mentioned, there was a lot of political pressures on both sides. This is one of the campaign promises that President Biden also made. So mm-hmm. he needed to do something. There was some action that needed to be taken. Who's going to qualify for this? Because not everybody qualifies. One big distinction, everybody has to know right up front, these are for federal student loans. If you took out a private Mm -hmm. loan, you do not qualify for this. But there's, I know, earnings caps, things like that. What are we looking at Mm -hmm. here? Right. So you have $10,000 will be forgiven across the board for people who have federal student loans, as long as you make under $125,000 a year as an individual or as the head of household or with a partner, you know, married filing jointly, $250,000. If you're under that threshold, the $10,000 should be a a given. If you took out a Pell Grant, if you were a Pell Grant recipient in your undergraduate years, and something like 60% of undergrad students who are borrowers do take on a Pell Grant, so if you're if when you're one of those, you actually get double the amount, and you'll have twenty thousand dollars forgiven. Um, there's questions of what how this will impact current students. Loans you take out next semester or next year won't qualify for this forgiveness. They have to be former loans. The cutoff is going to be June 2022. So any loans you took out before June 2022 will count for the forgiveness. Subsequently, they they will not count. Yeah, and that's an interesting part of it, too, because that was one of the questions swirling around. What does this do for future borrowers? And, and, you know, some people were saying this could set a bad precedent because, you know, they can come to expect something like that for them in the future. And obviously, right now, that's not even remotely in the conversation. You know, this we're just dealing with the tons of debt that we have right now. I mean, it's like in the trillions of dollars, collectively, all the student borrowers that have debt right now, it's so much money. So this is trying to get a handle on the problem right now. But that was one of the parts of the conversation. You know, what's going to happen in the future? Does this set some type of bad precedent? Yeah, I think that, you know, that's definitely a big question that's been raised. And this is part of a much bigger problem, as, as the president pointed out in his speech about his plan. The tuition costs at colleges have tripled over the last few decades. You have prices really, really just going up at a pace that's unmanageable for a lot of families. And yet, if you don't go to college now, it's harder and harder to, you know, land among the middle class. So more families have been forced to borrow to afford school. And that's really not going to change because of some brushstrokes of forgiveness. So definitely the administration is looking and I think a lot of people are asking, you know, what's next now? What, What else is going to be done to address the crisis that led us here in the first place? A couple more questions on how this is all going to play out, uh, because we're talking about loans. There's a lot of concern about taxes and all of that. This isn't going to be triggering any federal taxes or anything, maybe some state taxes, possibly. Uh, what, what do we know about that? 
Yeah, so there was a lot of concern that people would get hit with a tax bill because there are, in certain situations, student loan forgiveness. The amount you get forgiven is considered taxable income. But lawmakers foresaw that there was a chance the president was going to forgive student debt. And the American Rescue Plan, the pandemic era relief package, passed in the middle of the COVID crisis. There was a provision in there that made student loan forgiveness tax-free and until 2025. So this forgiveness won't trigger a federal tax bill. There are a handful of states I hear, I don't know those states, yet, I think it's still going to be figured out, Mm -hmm. that might charge state taxes. You should speak to an expert, but the big thing is you're not going to get a federal tax bill here. And in most states, you probably won't get a state tax bill either. And now one of the most important parts, how do you go through with all of this? Because if you're kind of uh, in the system, so to speak, for other tax things, and uh, you know, the government knows what your income is and all of that. Some of this stuff might be automatic, but they're going to be setting up some type of website where you have to basically go in and ask for the loan to be forgiven, update Mm -hmm. current data, income data, and that's part of it still has yet to be built. Yeah, so borrowers who are hearing this, I'm sure, are quite eager to get their student loan forgiveness and might be already checking their accounts. But it's going to take some time. The administration said that the application for forgiveness actually might not be available until student loan payments are restarted in January. So there's still going to be some time here. Borrowers who were enrolled in in what are called income-driven repayment plans, plans that require that they submitted their income to qualify for with the education department, there's about $8 million borrowers who, who are in that category. The education department has their income that they can already verify and make sure that they're under that threshold of $125,000. So for them, their forgiveness could be automatic, but it seems like uh, the majority of borrowers are going to need to go through this application. The good news is the department, if it turns out to be true, says the application is going to be quite simple. So hopefully yeah. you just go in there and you, you put in your income and, and the forgiveness will come sooner than later. On that income-driven repayment plans, they're reducing that as well. And then I, I, I think I heard a little bit about the president saying, you know, after 20 years, if you stay on that plan, they might even forgive that as well. Was that part of the New Deal, too? Right. So for the many people who are still going to have a student loan balance after this, there's some additional relief coming. And that's there'll be a plan that makes allows you to have a much smaller monthly student loan payment. So a lot of people are in these income-driven repayment plans. What they do is they just cap your monthly payment at a share of your income. But advocates and borrowers have long said that share is too high and that borrowers are still struggling. So it's going to go from, in some cases, 10 or 20% of your discretionary income to there'll be a new plan available to some borrowers if you qualify that, that caps your, your monthly payment at just 5% of your discretionary income. So it will be a much lower payment. And this is all proposed. It's not yet final. But borrowers should definitely stay tuned for updates about this and, and see if, if they are struggling, if they can get into this lower. Annie Nova, personal finance reporter at CNBC. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Bye-bye. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. 
oracle.com slash strategic. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The AI flags it initially, and then they do have human employees who review it before they report it out eventually to law enforcement. But it's complicated. I mean, context matters. They were taken to help a sick child, you know, by a parent who is worried about the child, not someone trying to exploit the child. Joining us now is Kashmir Hill, technology reporter at The New York Times. Thanks for joining us, Kashmir. Happy to be here. Let's talk about this very interesting situation. So Google has an automated tool to detect abusive images of children. You know, the system uh, has been very good at flagging certain things, uh, photos, videos, things that pass through its system. And, uh, you know, sometimes it can get it wrong and the consequences can be very serious, as is, is the case in this story that you wrote up about a dad who was taking photos of his naked toddler for the doctor. They, they you know, His toddler was going through something. The doctor's uh, nurse advised them, take a picture, send it to us, that way we can start working on it. And then Google flagged it as a criminal. There was a criminal investigation going into him. He lost all of his Google accounts, which had a decade's worth of photos and contacts and all this stuff. And it just spiraled into this crazy story. So, Kashmir, tell us a little bit more about this. We have a real problem in the world of child sexual abuse material or child pornography. It gets been around. Um, it's very harmful and illegal material. And there's been a lot of pressure on the technology companies to do something about it because these images are flowing through their servers. And so over the years, the companies have created these tools that can help them spot it, identify it. Once they do identify it, they're required by federal law to report it to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children who can pass it on to law enforcement. And so, yeah, so Google developed this tool few years back that is really good apparently at finding these images because it did find these images that two different dads, one in San Francisco and another in Texas, had taken of their children um, when their sons, their sons both separately had infections in their penises. And the doctor asked them to take and send photos. This happened last year. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. A lot of us are turning to telehealth and meeting with doctors virtually. So you can really understand this. And it's a complicated case because, you know, in one case, I've seen the photos and they're, they're explicit photos of a toddler's genitals. Like, I understand why Google would flag those photos. The AI flags it initially, and then they do have human employees who review it before they report it out eventually to law enforcement. But it's complicated. I mean, context matters. They were taken to help a sick child, you know, by a parent who is worried about the child, not someone trying to exploit the child. So in this case in San Francisco, the parent's name is Mark. Um, you know, he's asked not to be identified further than that. And you're right. So and he did this on the advice of the nurse to send the things to the doctor. That's that's kind of, you know, the important factor here that, you know, when it's passing through Google servers, 
they don't really know any of that. You know, they're just seeing the picture and that's what was flagged. And I guess one of the, uh, in particular, one of the things that might have tipped the scales on this was that his father's hand was in the picture also, you know, to help with the picture. <laughs> you know, we don't have to go into detail, right. but his hand he's was trying in, to, He's it, trying to display the swelling, yeah. better display the swelling for the doctor. And, and so, you know, reading through the story and everything, I mean, that seems like even more what might have tipped the scales on this, uh, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, you know, it's, and, it's a complicated situation, right? To your point earlier, right? A lot of people would probably say, well, this is good technology to help it. But, you know, sometimes it gets it wrong in cases like this. And one point I just want to make is that the reason this was flagged was not because he sent it to anybody, but because this father, Mark, uses an Android phone that automatically backs up his photos to Google Photos, to the cloud. And so it was scanned, you know, not because he sent it to somebody, but just because it was uploaded to the cloud. And so one of the privacy advocates I spoke with at the Electronic Frontier Foundation, a technologist named John Callis, he really objects that, that that essentially a private family album, you know, that private photos that you are taking, not intending to share with anyone or getting that kind of scanning. And so that is a matter of debate because there's a question about what privacy do we sacrifice in order to fight this horrible problem of child abuse. What's really hard, though, is, you know, so this person didn't know this. He did get investigated by the police. Both fathers were investigated by the police. And in both cases, the police said no crime occurred here. And they closed the cases. They understood that, you know, these fathers took these photos to help their children not to abuse or exploit them. But even after being cleared by the police, when these fathers went back to Google and said, hey, can I have my account back? Can I have my data back? Google said no. And both fathers had, you know, over a decade of data with Google. But Google stood by those decisions, even when notified by the parents they had been cleared by law enforcement. And even when I, as a New York Times reporter, came and, and questioned what happened in the two cases. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the response from Google, right? Because they have a no tolerance policy for any of these types of things. And right, it, for them, it's easier to just deny these people that might get caught up in, you know, a, f- a false flag or something like that. They, that. It's easier just to deny them than have to probably go through all the other setting policy for it and, and going beyond that if there's more cases like this. But they do have people that review some of these cases. Uh, did Google respond in, in that sense? You know, once they were notified, hey, this was for the doctor, all of that, once they, they were provided with the right details, how did Google respond to it? Yeah, I mean, Google said that it, stand, it stood by its decision in both cases. They basically they are saying they have zero tolerance for kind of explicit photos like this. No matter the context, I, you know, I, experts kind of told me for a company like Google, they have so many users that it's probably just too hard for them to do a really big fact-finding mission every time something like this happens. At the same time, it's a drop, you know, it's not even a drop in the bucket. It's like yeah. an atom in the bucket for Google. But for the people that this happens to, it, it can be really devastating. The father in San Francisco, for example, I mean, he used Google Calendar, used Google Photos, Google Drive, Gmail. You know, most, most of his digital life was stored on Google servers. And he made this mistake, you know, with his Android smartphone. He even lost his number because he used Google Fi as his phone carrier. He's a real Google file. But to make this one mistake and then lose so many different services with Google, that kind of domino effect. I just don't know if Google is really taking into account just how punishing this is to not just lose lose your photos, but also lose all this other data. 
you know, just going back to the point of everything gets scanned. So he had the pictures of his son that he sent to his doctor, but everything that gets backed up to the cloud and all that also gets scanned. And apparently, I, I guess he had a, a picture of his son with his wife. Uh, she might have been unclothed, something he never thought anybody would see. And those things all together connected is what uh, really flagged it and caused the police investigation and all that. I mean, Google said that they would have reported it just on the original images that he took for the doctor. And I, and again, I, I have seen those images and I totally understand that decision by Google out of context. You know, they, they would be very disturbing images. And I did talk to an expert with the American Academy of Pediatrics. And she said, you know, don't take these kinds of photos. She said, you know, parents really shouldn't be taking explicit photos of their children. And one reason she gave is that you just don't want your children to get used to anybody taking photos of their genitals. And I I push back a bit on that because we are in this time where this is just a reasonable way, I think, for us to get health care is sending photos, talking to doctors virtually. And she said, you know, if you have to do this, make sure that you have auto backup to the cloud turned off on your device and then delete the photos right afterwards. But I just think this is a risk. I've heard from so many parents since the story came out saying, wow, I've taken photos like this. I just never realized the danger where this kind of scanning was happening. To the point, right, of how big of a problem this is, Google alone filed over 600,000 reports of child abuse material. This is in 2021. And they disabled the accounts of over 270,000 users as a result of all of this. So, yeah, these two instances that we're talking about are a drop in the bucket. And for Mark specifically, as you mentioned, he lost out on everything. Google isn't going to help him anymore. I guess the police department, which has a backup of all that data because they had it requested because of the investigation, they have it like on a thumb drive. They might be able to give it to him. What's the status of that? Yeah, he has some hope, actually, that he's going to get his data back because this search warrant after the San Francisco Police Department were alerted to these images. They did a full search warrant requesting all of the information in his Google account and also um, served a warrant on his Internet service provider. And so he, he talked to the investigator and the investigator said, yeah, like, I think I can get you this thumb drive. I just have to get it cleared with legal. Yeah. And so at this point, it seems like he just he's going to have to get to go to court and get a court to approve the release of the thumb drive. But I did speak with the police department and the spokesman said that they are they're hoping to be able to get him the data. Kashmir Hill, technology reporter at The New York Times. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for talking about the story. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.